What's going on, everybody? Welcome. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Barangay Podcast Network. This is your host, Dominic Alcantara. Today on the show, we have Paolo Del Castillo back again co-hosting for a special episode with my homie, Chef Joey Malum. Joey is a chef, sous chef in New York City. He's worked in different restaurants in California and in New York City. Uh, we got to chat a lot about, you know, the restaurant industry, how it's been affected by COVID. Um, our own experiences working in kitchens and restaurants, because all three of us have that experience in our in our resumes. Um, yeah, I think it was just a lot of a lot of fun conversation on this episode. Talked a lot about food and different cultures of food and how it affects each of us individually. But first, be sure to hit that follow button if you're listening to us on Spotify. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, give us a subscribe. Follow on Google Podcasts. Follow on Anchor. Wherever it is you're listening, give us a follow. Give us a positive rating if you can, because it helps us out a lot. Okay? Thank you. Enjoy the episode. What's good, everybody? So today on the podcast, we have Paolo is co-hosting with me. Paolo, say what's good. What's up? It's my fourth time on the pod. Happy, Always happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. And our guest for today, we're going to be talking about some food with my guy, Joey Malum. Joey, say what's good, man. What's up, everybody? Really happy to be on today. Thanks for inviting me on, guys. No doubt, no doubt. Yo, um, Joey, man, tell the people what you do. So I am a chef, I guess, in New York City. I've been out here for about three years, originally from the West Coast. Uh... San Francisco Bay Area in Sacramento. Um, been cooking for, I believe, it's a blur, man. I want to say between 10 and 11 years right now. Um, yeah, cur- currently unemployed, but, you know, working on different ideas, keeping myself busy. Sick, dude. And our previous guest was also from the Bay. Oh, yeah, true. Who, Pilo? We had Pilo and our homie Bobo, um, who is cur- currently in the Bay right now. So, a lot, a lot of Bay Area people have been on the pod recently. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, man, Bay Area for sure. I've never been there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will one day. One day. I don't. I don't really make my way out to California too much, but maybe, maybe next year we'll see. <laughs> yeah, yo. So. Um, Shit, let's talk about cooking, man. You said you've been cooking for 10 or 11 years now. Yeah. Where did you get started? How did you get started? I got started, I wasn't really doing a whole lot at a four-year college uh, and kind of like had to reevaluate myself and went and signed up for a tour. At the time, it was California Culinary Academy. It was just like, screw it. Like, you know, grew up kind of like being around environments where people cooked, never really thought about it as like a profession or a career went and took a tour and really just kind of saw how um it focused on a lot more than just like the cooking like there was like math involved and science and stuff which i kind of liked and then just did a 21 month program and then just kind of threw myself right in the fire right after school and started cooking in san francisco dope yo what was the what was the 21 month program where was that at? it was at california culinary academy and it covered like everything from like kitchen basics like knife skills learning like the different stocks and sauces to like wine classes uh 
cuisines across cultures, Whoa. which was a really that was really cool. But I wish they went in like a lot more in depth into it. Looking back on it, uh, yeah, you know, like hospitality math, which at the time I was horrible at, but over time I've had to get really good at. Uh, it really, <laughs> honestly, just delves into everything. It kind of sets you up to, yeah. you know, if you really wanted it, kind of set you up to get the job you wanted and kind of point your career in the right direction. Okay, dope. Yo, Paolo. So Paolo's on the show today because he's also got some experience in the kitchen, working in restaurants as well. So Paolo, did you have to go through any uh, culinary courses or did you just kind of hop in? Well, I don't think you so, ever mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. So my path from Joey's is extremely different. So uh, like, I, like um, <laughs> I was at a point in my life, like in my early 20s, where I kind of just had no idea what I was doing with my life. Um, I wasn't going to school or anything. So I was like, oh, might as well get a job. So um, at the time, my sister was a server at the sushi restaurant right by my house. So um, since since my sister had already been working there for a few years, um, this restaurant that I worked for was very big on hiring friends of friends. So they're like, oh, like, it's, uh, it's Johanna's brother. Like, let's just give him an interview. And um, so it was, I, I had no prior restaurant experience before that. So going into it, I assumed they would just hire me as a dishwasher. But um, in this case, like, a little bit of racial profiling worked out in my favor because they were like, oh, like, it's a sushi restaurant. This dude's Asian. Like he looks good. He looks good on the sushi bar. So they just put me on the sushi bar right from the get-go, like with no, with no knife experience, no like, no food handling experience whatsoever. So like, like um, I just kind of, yeah, man, that 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 was like a that was a pretty crazy turn in my life. That was something I never thought I would do, but I ended up uh, really enjoying it for like the the three and a half four years that I did it. Um, so like my my restaurant experience, uh, the bulk of it was basically at at that uh, restaurant in Florida. Um, I, I had a couple stints here in New York City at, at a couple sushi places here. I worked at uh, at Sugarfish and Flatiron for about a month. Um, I worked. Oh, yeah, I, <laughs> I worked. That. I worked at Lure Fish <laughs> Bar in Soho for a day <laughs> until they told me how much they were going to pay me, and I was like, no. Um, uh, <laughs> Dropping names. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, I worked at this one place um, in Midtown. This uh, this uh, Peruvian Japanese place, which was pretty sick. I, I only worked there for about a month too, because I, you know, like I came here like uh, wanting to establish myself as a photographer. So the restaurant stints were really more for just you know kind of to keep myself afloat. Um, I didn't make it to the actual opening of that place, but it was kind of cool because I got to learn about. Um, uh, Japanese roots in Peru and how their cuisines merged. Yeah. Yeah. I actually just recently learned about that. I didn't even know there was Japanese immigration in Peru until I was watching um, on Netflix, I was watching that street food Latin America. Yeah. And I was like, what in the world? There's Japanese people in Peru? Yeah, how? dude. It's, it's, it's sick, man. They got like, we were making like, um, you know, like omakase sal sushi but with like because peru ha peru is like native to all these like these peppers that you all, all these different peppers that you can't really find anywhere else in the world so it's like the this omakase sal sushi but with like with like pepper purees and like all this other stuff it was it, it, it was sick dude Whoa. but um 
Interesting. Yeah. Back to Joey. Um, so you've been cooking for 10, 10 years, 10, 11 years, and you just moved to New York three years ago? Mm-hmm. So that means that, like, you're, you're cooking, your experience as a chef is deeply rooted in the Bay. Yeah. I, I'm kind of interested to know, like, like the kind of restaurants you worked in and the environments you worked in over there before making the move here. All right. Um, like, the first restaurant I worked in was, you know, gastropubs were really big back then. So it was, like, yeah, you know, like, California cuisine, which, like, looking on it is, like, the most BS name ever. It's just, like, cooking with fresh food, like, fresh ingredients, like... Why do we have to call it California cuisine? But it's like cooking fresh <laughs> ingredients with like French technique, which was really cool because that was like coming from culinary school where everything was like was like French technique and French sauces and everything. It was cool to go right from school, um, excuse me, into that um, to like really kind of hone the skills of French cooking. And then from there, where did I go? I went to like a little Italian restaurant and that was only like six months because they were making us work like six days a week. We only had Sunday off and we had to do like all the prep for our own station, which meant we got there at like noon or one and left at like 11 or 12. Um, oh man, I oh. weirdly miss that. <laughs> Those like long, long hours. Yeah, like there's. I don't miss that, man. I don't like, miss that. I think, I think I could do that for like a week and then be like, no, I'm good. Like, I'm glad I did that yeah. to remind myself why I don't like doing it anymore. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But everything really out in California was like Mediterranean style, like whether it was French cuisine or, you know, one restaurant I worked at. Um, really focused on like the cuisines of the Mediterranean like in Spain, Italy Morocco, you know, parts of Greece and stuff, which was, that was fun for I sure, really yeah, did yeah, delicious start having I, I wouldn't say fun, but like really feeling involved in cooking until I started working at the last restaurant I worked at before moving to New York it was called Liho Liho Yacht Club um, nowhere, Word. nowhere near the water. It's in the middle of like, <laughs> essentially in the middle of San Francisco. But the owner is this really amazing guy, Ravi Kapoor. He's from Hawaii. His mother is uh, Chinese and native Hawaiian and his father is Indian. Um, and he, you know, grew up on Oahu and then, you know, bounced, you know, moved to the United States, worked at a bunch of places, and then found his footing at Boulevard in San Francisco, like a really well-known spot. And then got to the point where he just wanted to start doing his own food. And, you know, to him, it was really going back to the roots of Hawaiian food. And like, what is it? Like, yes, there is like the native Hawaiian food, but over the generations, like Filipinos, Portuguese, Japanese, Koreans, Chinese, like all this influence from all these other countries landed on the islands of Hawaii and kind of implanted themselves into like the culinary like frame of Hawaiian culture. So his idea in Liho Liho was like all the things he ever loved about like dim sum and Chinese food, but also like the flavors of, he called it like his childhood. 
like the kimchi his mom would make like all this kind of stuff and he was like i just want to do like that food and people were calling it like hawaiian like chinese indian he was like i just kind of want to call it like good food like if you look on yelp it's under at least when i was there they had us under like japanese food and people would show up and be like where's the sashimi like where's the sushi rolls and we're like what what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> damn. But, um, Dude, that's damn, sick. yo. Yeah. I... Dude. Yeah, so... so, uh, Go on, Paolo. I was just going to say, I didn't... Yeah, because um, I've had a few friends who've lived in Hawaii, and I didn't realize Hawaii was such a melting pot. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, it, it has, like, a really big Asian population. Like, um, one of my friends who, lives it, who lived there um, said that everyone's either, like, or mostly everyone's either Asian or, like, part Asian. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. But it's, like, like Joey said, it's, like, all these different people from all these different countries that implanted themselves and, and made themselves part of the food scene there. It's, it's kind of crazy to think about. Now I want to go to Hawaii. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, man, my parents love it there. It's so good. Every <laughs> time I get the chance to go, it's, like... I love New York. I don't think we'll ever leave, but it's, like, why... How did this never pop up as like an option to live in like Hawaii or something? But yeah, exactly, man. Like, why not? That's why you know I'm out here in the Philippines. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we can make big moves. Yeah, we can make major moves. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's the islands. The island life. They're magic. But yo, Joey, I wanted to ask you what what ended up bringing you to New York then three years ago. The I've always kind of wanted to live in New York ever since I was like a kid, like watching all like the movies and stuff like Home Alone and all that stuff. Just like New York looked like the coolest place. I had some cousins that were born and raised here and they always talked about how cool it was. And for me at the time cooking, like I had felt like I had reached kind of like the ceiling in San Francisco or in California at least. Um, And I needed, I wanted to be like, pushed again like brought outside my comfort zone and I knew that those choices of making that happen were either going to be in Europe or New York and I don't think at the time I was ready to make such a big leap to go to Europe um so I was like you know what like I'm gonna go to New York I'm going to get a job at a place that I've always wanted to work at and or like for a company I've always wanted to work for and I set that goal and did it. And, you know, thankfully that's how I met Dominic was working for one of those companies. And um, I've definitely grown more as like a chef here, maybe not so much as a cook, as like a chef from like a managerial standpoint. Um, Cause it's just like, you can say restaurants are restaurants, but there's a big difference between like East Coast and West Coast restaurants. And it's getting used to how the restaurants out here run and that it is, it is a lot more cutthroat. And it's because I'm not saying that one coast cares more than the other. It's just, it's a lot more tenacious and a lot more, yeah, like cutthroat out here. Like the people in the restaurants really, you know, some of them really want to be there and they'll do whatever it takes to be there kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. That, make, that makes a lot of yeah. sense because, um, because like you said, um, I feel like I feel like New York and and you know Paris, like those places in Europe, like are are really like the culinary capitals of the world, mm-hmm. uh, where like you, it's like such a huge melting pot, and all these different cultures are here, bringing their cuisines here, 
that it, it would only make sense for it to be more cutthroat here because people from all over the world are coming here and, you know, they want to prove themselves in whatever whatever their field is. And it's no, it's no exception for cooking. Um, yeah, so... Dude, props to you for making the move out here. Thanks, man. And yeah, man, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, uh, on that same note, like, what what do you want to accomplish as a cook? Like, what? Uh, I don't really know personally. Like, what are the what are the main goals? What are the you know what I mean? Like, as your progression goes on, what do you want to do next? You know what I mean? I feel like every. A lot of people's goal is to own their own spot um, because especially now I think in the last like six to seven years a lot of people are just wanting to show like who they are and what they've learned Um, but for me that I mean I I was on that same path I wanted that same thing like kind of set unrealistic goals of you know having my own restaurant doing all this stuff and it kind of sucked once I got to that age and none of that stuff was really possible uh so I kind of had to like (laughs) wait how old are you 33 okay um so I kind of had to start setting realistic goals and it was kind of weird to think that way (laughs) for the first time um but then also everything over you know, the pandemic and restaurants closing and like friends, you know, either being laid off or friends having to, you know, permanently close restaurants, um, kind of, you know, made me think of cooking, not really ever wanting like a brick and mortar, um, because it's a lot of responsibility, like, and it's just thinking about the margins that restaurants run on is just, it's like ludicrous, like, how is it even possible that restaurants are able to stay open and, you know, pay employees and get to the point where they are these huge hospitality groups? Like, you know, it's just insane. And it's more, I like, I've always liked the idea of food being, it might sound cliche, but like what kind of brings people together, you know, like you sit down Mm -hmm. at a table, everybody might have a different opinion, but we're all going to sit down, eat this meal. We're going to talk. We're going to get to know each other. And then, you know, it just kind of like, it opens a dialogue because everybody's got to eat. Everybody has their own style of food, their own, their own familial recipes and stuff like that. So I'm kind of wanting to switch more towards something like that to where the cooking brings back the idea of community and also gets the community involved. Um, Like I have some friends out in Berlin that moved out there for music a few years ago. And they talk about how, you know, people will come over and do it from like LA and do like a taco pop-up and it'll just like, you know, be crazy, but they'll do things with oh, the yeah. musicians and these bars and these venues where it all becomes like, you know, one big event that the community hosts. And I, you know, I really like that idea of like bringing that sounds dope. food somewhere like an in and out style burger to you know, like the Philippines and having like this bar in the Philippines that does something really cool, like a weekend long collaboration with them to only to like, you know, bring recognition to both sides in a different area, I guess. 
Bro, you're giving me all kinds of ideas right now, man. Dude, I, I'm, I'm so happy that you said that because, cause like, um, I'm sure Dom uh, gave you a quick rundown of what we do, but we, like, our collective, like, we host... Um, it's exactly art, what we do. Yeah, like we, we, yeah, it's exactly what we do, essentially. We host art shows and stuff, but uh, we've always floated this idea of of bringing food to our shows because because uh, we already like we already um you know have artists exhibit and then we'll have musicians perform um and all we this other stuff drink, drink sponsors and food sponsors and things like that yeah. but you can take it a step further and drop a food sponsor and actually partner with somebody who's willing to create a menu for that thing you know what i mean for that yeah. that weekend long event you know yeah. what i mean that's a, and it whoa, only whoa, enhances whoa. the experience like yeah, exactly. It's yeah. crazy. Because, I mean, I don't know. Yo, you heard it here first. We're going to be doing that. Because, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I really don't know if, you know, we're at least here in New York, we're rapidly approaching, like, fall and winter and all this outdoor dining. Like, it's going to go somewhere. It's not going to, yeah. Like, yeah. I know me personally, I would be hesitant going indoors anywhere from the months of, like, October to March to have a meal yeah i would be i mean yeah no me too and it's no disrespect to any of those restaurant owners and chefs out there that are trying to make this work and get through it but i mean it's just something about being it's not gonna work to to, dude to expand on that i'm i'm even hesitant to to outdoor dine right now like if i yeah i wouldn't do it like i wouldn't do it like the restaurants i really love and and want to continue supporting i'll just like i'll just order takeout but like yeah even even seeing like so many streets closed like for outdoor dining is is like so i don't know it's so weird to me it's weird too like outdoor dining <laughs> is supposed to be safer and then me and my wife were driving through williamsburg the other day and there was this restaurant that was packed like people were still oh, like no. six feet apart but there were a lot of people like they, the restaurant followed every single rule and regulation that the city or state like told them to do in order to open this and to have outdoor dining. But we drove by like nobody had a mask on and it was just like, <gasps> like we rolled up our windows and like put on the air conditioning. We were like, sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Just, you know, we've gone out twice to eat in New York and both of them, we've been kind of hesitant to eat, but we've gone at like five o'clock. And we've been like really the only people there for an hour. And then once it starts getting busy and we see people like starting to show up and it getting a little bit more crowded, that's when we ask for the check and we leave. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, I'm not there. I haven't been there, but yeah, man, I don't know. Like my favorite podcast to talk about it a lot on here, Cookies Hoops, yeah. They're the goat, the greatest of all time for sure. Uh, but those guys... They talk a lot about going out to outdoor dining and things like that. And I don't know, man. They're like, to me, it's too risky. It's still too risky. And then, like you said earlier, getting into the colder months of the year, heading toward winter, what the hell is going to happen? How are these restaurants going to be able to sustain themselves if the outdoor dining goes away where they're probably making a little bit, I mean, realistically, are they even benefiting from that over just doing takeout delivery? I mean, I want to say yes because it opens it opens the possibility. Like, there's this restaurant in my neighborhood that I used to work at. They don't do caviar, and they never did like to, to go during the original shutdown. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so, cause they're a small little neighborhood restaurant. They really weren't sure what was going to happen. And they just reopened for outdoor dining and they're pretty busy. So I yeah. think it kind of, it kind of depends on what your restaurant is, where your restaurant is located. Um, and really the type of food too, is it going to last in a to go yeah. container 30 minutes ride to yeah. this person's house and be, you know, Unfortunately, now I'm not as like picky about that stuff anymore because like, yo, these delivery drivers are crazy busy. These restaurants are probably crazy busy too. Like, I'm just happy to get the food yeah. and be able to support the restaurant, man, and see that that restaurant is still open. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So much, so much empathy for for people who work in that industry right now, and I feel like, um, you know, like with the three of us too having food service experience and restaurant experience, like. That, that that empathy is just natural for us. Yeah, but I, like, yeah that, definitely. That, on the other side of that, I feel like that's a lot of that's something that a lot of people also don't realize when they go to these spots and they outdoor dine and their their server is wearing a mask with a face shield on top. Um, you know, having having to change that stuff out like every x amount of hours. Like, um, mm. yeah. So if you're listening to this and you outdoor dine frequently, just keep those things in mind that it's. It was hard before, but it's even harder now. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yo, Joey, so you mentioned earlier that you were unemployed. I didn't know. Like, I've had so many friends in the food restaurant industry who have lost their jobs, of course, in, in the past few months. Uh, did you lose yours as well because of COVID? I didn't lose mine uh, to COVID, no. I left uh, okay. the place I was at probably a month before COVID happened because oh, <laughs> I was planning on doing some pop-ups with, uh, someone else. Um, and so I wanted the time to kind of like step away and like really solely focus on the pop-ups cause there was, you know, potential for some good business and some good exposure yeah. and stuff through them. And then the shutdown, you know, the pandemic hit in, uh, yeah, it was, it was weird because everybody else was filing for unemployment and it took me a little bit to get through unemployment because, you know, I left my job willingly a month before yeah. <laughs> I wasn't laid off. Like it had, there were some things yeah. that had to, you know, pieces of paper that had to be proven that, you know, I actually didn't have a job and this is, you know, what happened kind of thing. But, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, damn, man. So what are you kind of what are you thinking at this point like what do you what do you want to do what's the next move for you like uh, obviously the pop-ups i'm assuming never happened you were never able to pull it off no um not the way we wanted to and everything you know everything kind of took a back seat i am doing you know an event on the 29th at this really cool oyster farm in maine with a friend that i used to work with um like a super limited, you know, we've gone through all the protocol of like the amount of people that we can see, you know, we're doing a very safe, socially distant, very limited dinner outside. Um, so that's really kind of like the first cooking experience that I'm kind of doing outside of, you know, being in a restaurant for, I don't even know, yeah. like six months ago. So I kind of, I'm taking everything day by day. I'm really looking at a lot of different venues uh to go through and you know 
part of me wants to get back in the kitchen, but also like, what is a kitchen going to look like in a year? And you know, why don't I yeah. try to create that kitchen myself or like my idea of what that kitchen would end up looking like. And part of it is that whole, you know, kind of events thing, taking food on like traveling with food to different places kind of thing. That's, you know, dude, um, I don't, I don't really know the logistics that go behind this, but I've seen, there's this one Instagram page that I've seen. Um, I'm like blanking out at the name of it now, but it's, it's this one person who cooks out of his own kitchen and like he'll post like specials on Instagram of what he's making that day. And he'll make, he'll make a bunch of whatever that is out of his own kitchen and he yeah. just delivers it like the next day. Yeah. Like that yeah. to me is so genius That's and awesome. Dope. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are you waiting for, man? <laughs> there it is, right? There. That's it right so there. many things I want to do, man. Yeah. <laughs> for sure, man. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, personally, going back to what we were saying before, I really love the idea of events based on food. I think that's 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 beautiful. I don't think I've really ever been to any events like that before. Uh, that sounds like a good time to me. Um, so, so for this main thing, this is a one. This is just a one-off thing that you're working on right now. Yeah, I mean, I was fortunate enough to meet the guy that owns the oyster farm when my wife and I were up in Maine like three weeks ago, and we went to a dinner at the uh, at the farm, and it was really awesome. And you know, we got to talking. He was like, "If you ever want to do something, just let me know." Um, and the friend that I'm doing it with, he's at him and his girlfriend are actually moving to Maine in the spring next year. And I was like, dude, what a great opportunity to kind of introduce him. He's also a chef too, to like an oyster purveyor, to a fish purveyor, to like other people in the industry in Maine that would maybe come to this event. And, uh, you know, Whoa. also a way for us too is like giving back to the community of Maine. Cause neither of us for, are from there. He's from Atlanta. Yeah. I'm from, you know, California so it's important it was important for us from the beginning to kind of give back to the community that's allowing us to go up there and like cook for them kind of thing so ten dollars of each ticket yeah. purchase will go directly to a charity in Portland dope man that's really that's dope I, I really like that yeah that's really amazing I like that a lot Thanks, yeah dude. it's so inspiring to to hear how um how chefs and people in the food industry are navigating this weird time because man i they, I, I felt like they were one of the the hardest hit industries by this pandemic they felt it first before almost before anybody i, I mean granted like medical professionals were there from the get-go but other yeah. than that like people in the food industry felt felt the shock waves of this thing before anybody else yeah, I mean, it seems like it just happened in, like, the snap of your fingers. Like, one day yeah, you went to like sleep. literally and, overnight, yeah. Yeah, and you wake up and it's, like, the hospitality apocalypse, which is unfortunate. But I think, I kind of think it's cool right now that, again, with you, uh, Paolo, like, what chefs are doing and, like, how open to collaboration a lot of chefs are for the first time. Um mm. You know, I think really taking, as far as all the creative industries, like really taking this time to really like collaborate with one each other, with one another, and kind of, you know, not really have a defined line of, of what a creative industry is, I guess. 
because I feel like it's Word, so easy yeah. to like segment things into what it is and be like, oh yeah, like some people call cooking an art. Some people are like, how is it an art? You know, but at the end of the day, it's like it, they both contain creativity and there was some, you know, you know, skill that in, it involved to get to that point and years of learning to get to that point kind of thing. Um, yeah, definitely, man. Anybody who says cooking is not an art is fucking stupid. Yeah, I've never, I've, I've actually never heard. It, yeah, I, I would agree with that statement too because I mean, if you've seen like especially those really crazy chefs that they feature on like Chef's Table. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude. Fuck! What is that dude's name? Grant. Uh, oh, Grant Ackett's from. Uh, yeah, Alinea. Grant Ackett's from Alinea, dude. That that dude is a fucking magician. Like. Yeah. And that's just <laughs> that's just to name one. Um, oh, dude, and I, I have a question actually. So, mm-hmm. like you said that post COVID chefs are more open to collaboration. Did you feel like that pre COVID chefs weren't really open to that? Because I know um. I know once you get to like a certain place as a chef in your career, um, pride kind of like there's, I feel like chefs are kind of prideful people. Um, I, yeah. And absolutely. No, sorry. Continue. Did, did you, did you feel like, like chefs were a little more, I don't know, kind of standoffish and less open to collaboration pre COVID? I don't think it was less standoffish. I think it was, um, who they were collaborating with wasn't a very wide range. Like it would be a chef with another chef or a restaurant. Um, it wasn't like, you know, a chef with, uh, like a DJ or a chef with like an artist, you know, um, it was always very like within the industry, which food, food and food. Exactly. And yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that because there were some great collaborations that happened, but I think, you know, post-COVID, it's going to be a lot more of the, like, boundary kind of going into other... Asking artists to collaborate with a chef or a bartender to collaborate with a DJ or, you know, just something like that. I think yeah. it's going to become a yeah. lot more... The creative atmosphere, the creative, like, sphere is going to be a lot more, like, well-rounded at that point. You know, it's funny you bring that up. One of them, the bartender DJ collaboration is like the most common uh, food beverage to other entertainment collaboration that you see. It's extremely common, especially here in the Philippines, man. The DJ industry is super crazy, and so is the bartender industry, to be yeah. honest. Like, a lot of people get a little famous as bartenders <laughs> over here, which is pretty dope. It's pretty dope. And, like, there's a lot of bars that got their own special nights for certain DJs where they'll sell only certain cocktails and things like that, which I think is really cool. I, I actually, fuck man, I got so many ideas about this, <laughs> this, uh, this, collabor- <laughs> this collaboration thing. I'm like, whoa, whoa, Dude, yeah, whoa. I'm, I'm this so is inspired. New. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Um, <laughs> yo, do you have any, do you have any favorite chefs? Just curious. Oh man, that's a really hard one. Um, 
I mean, I'm going to sound really cheesy for a moment and say that that chef I mentioned before, Ravi Kapoor, was like, is and still will forever be like a big mentor and one of my favorites. Just because oh, of, of course you worked under him. Yeah, just because of what he taught me and, yeah. you know, the minds, the, the mentality of working in a kitchen and really taking the next step. Um, you know, I, I really, I really just have respect for all, you know, a lot of chefs, like, especially David Zilber. I don't know if you guys know who he is. He's was the head of fermentation at Noma. Um, I really enjoy like, I love all chefs, but especially the ones that are like preserving like the past to make sure that like future generations get an experience of it. Um, like preserving people who preserve technique and cooking styles and cooking utensils and stuff like that. Um, those are the chefs that really kind of stand out to me and that I'm really like, I guess attracted to at the moment. Maybe attracted, it's not really the best word, but. <laughs> like, uh, like what's that dude, Jiro Ono. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> From Jiro Dreams Associate. Yes. Jiro Dreams. <laughs> yeah, dude. Man, I've seen that way too many times. Um, no such thing. <laughs> dude, we have, we, dude, at the sushi restaurant I used to work at, we had that. We had that playing on the TV at least like once a day, <laughs> and it's it's so, it was such a like it was such a it was such a um, big contrast because he was making like the purest form of sushi you could make with like you know like omakase style sushi in a ten seater restaurant while we were churning out these fucking specialty rolls for these college students like a tuna roll a California <laughs> roll or something yeah yeah California roll baby yeah. <laughs> so good damn man yeah <laughs> yo so what have you guys been cooking lately ooh Paula you wanna start Joey, that Joey you go off? first I'm, oh, I'm eager to hear what you um, <laughs> you know honestly like I've been cooking a lot. Like, I have a lot of cookbooks at home, and I'll just kind of, like, snag one every week and just flip through it until, you know, something that looks tasty. Uh, I've really been cooking a lot out of... I don't know if you guys have heard of the spot in Montreal, Joe Beef. They own, like, a bunch of different restaurants up there. I have heard of that on a podcast. Yeah. Um, if you guys haven't, <laughs> check them out. They have a few episodes... <laughs> I think they do one with Anthony Bourdain. They definitely do one with David Chang. Uh, they do a bunch of, like, television shows. But it's just, like, it's just meat with meat with meat with meat. Like, it is just the most gluttonous food ever. But it's, like, beautiful and delicious and all, like, local, like, ingredients and stuff. It's really, really kind of cool. Um, Can you give us an example uh, of a dish? One of them was it's essentially a burger two patties cheese and then they make this gravy with like canned tomato essentially like campbell's soup and then they take like beef stock and make this really weird like red gravy i have to send you guys a picture it's literally one of the <laughs> least you look at it and you're like what the fuck is this and then you like make it and you eat it yourself and you're like, oh, I get it. Like this is... So you make this at home. Yeah, like just, you know, getting curious and... But I have been making a lot of uh, frittatas with my wife. We've been making a lot of frittatas at home, a lot of fried rice. Uh, 
she loves fried rice for breakfast and nice dude yeah hell yeah easy food i'm like filipino way yeah Yeah. do you have like a go-to recipe like when like if you if you come home after like a long day and just want something like like if i (laughs) man that's a tough one I honestly, when I was cooking, I would never cook at home. Like I would get home from a shift, like smoke a bowl, have a beer and pass out and just wake up and do For the sure. same thing. <laughs> but like a to-go sure. like, recipe, like easy, simple one is like, again, fried rice. Like, and it's usually like my grandmother's recipe, like day old rice, uh, like scramble an egg. It's got hers. Yep. Oddly enough, I don't know if this is very Japanese or if this is like where her american assimilation came in but peas carrots and then somehow like chopped um like marinated spanish red peppers like piquillo peppers somehow Ooh. ended up in there Whoa. with like chicken and i'm not mad at it at all i just have never in my life <laughs> seen that like combination on a plate and that like brings up childhood for me but it's a really simple like straightforward Ooh, I've never, I've never seen that either. That man. sounds pretty dope, honestly. Yeah. yeah, I've never heard of that on a fried rice. Dude, that's also that's also one of the. I, I know you mentioned um, you, earlier that food brings people together. There's a sense of community around food, which you know, absolutely. But another another big driving force of food is you know like nostalgia. Mm-hmm. It's like w- like what you enjoyed eating as a kid, and like the memories that come with a certain dish man it's it's powerful exactly like yeah i mean that's how i felt really when i first moved to the philippines and started eating filipino food all the time because i grew up eating filipino food and then a little later in my life like 18 to 22 23 i wasn't really eating filipino food much and lately i've been eating it a lot man and it just reminds me of my parents <laughs> Word, dude. i mean you know with your career as a model you can't really eat you can't really indulge in filipino exactly. food like that like, it's, it's, Bro, it's, we're on day. We're on. <laughs> me and Sarah are on day three of like low carb, healthy diet. We're back. I'm back. That's hard, man. That's hard in the Philippines. Back to it. <laughs> it's difficult in the Philippines. It's very difficult in the Philippines. All the food here is fried, man. It's it's rough. Mm. It's rough, but it's all good. Paolo, what about you, man? What you been cooking? Oh, dude, uh, man, I, I I've been cooking a lot since since lockdown started. Um, because yeah. we were. Because you know my job, we were working. We 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 worked from home for uh, three months. Uh, now I go back to the office like twice a week. So um, I'm frequenting restaurants and uh, takeout a little more. But man, I was just for some just for some background info. You know, my girlfriend's Korean, and my two roommates are also Korean. So I'm like the only Filipino person living in a in a Korean household. So I've been making a lot of Korean food. Um, <laughs> A go, a go-to recipe for me is kalbi, uh, the Korean short ribs. Um, Adrian, yeah. uh, an, uh, another one of our members, Adrian Go, actually showed me this recipe because he cooks a lot of Korean food too. Um, it's amazing, man. It's so easy. It's uh, the marinade itself is just um, soy sauce, equal parts soy sauce and brown sugar, um, green onions. Um, minced garlic i don't even i don't measure the onions and garlic i just throw a fuck ton in there um yeah fuck it um fuck it mirin and a like a tablespoon of sesame oil and you just marinate the meat in that for 
at least four hours. I like to leave mine in for a day. And, dude, it's amazing. It amazes me every time. And it amazes my Korean friends, too. They're like, oh, my God. Like, are you, are you, are you, are you sure you're not Korean? And, like, little, little they know I got this recipe from Food Network with, like, with, like, with, like, with like little tweaks, little, like, little tweaks that I've made um, to the recipe itself. Like, the, like, the original recipe says to add water, but I was like, oh, fuck that. I'm not adding any water in this. <laughs> but, um, what yeah. difference does it make? So, um... Kalbi is a good go-to for me. So is uh, kimchi fried rice. Another another oh. easy thing to make. Uh, you just dice up. Yeah. It's essentially um, not far off from the, the fried rice uh, recipe that uh, Joey was talking about. It's just you add kimchi. Um, yeah. There's there's also this thing I like to do when I make kimchi fried rice that they do at a lot of Korean restaurants in the city where they like where you have you have it on a pan right and you you shape. You shape the fried rice in the pan into like a dome that leaves the perimeter of the pan open. And what you do with that open space is you'll pour like a scrambled egg around it. So there's like a scrambled egg perimeter mm-hmm. around the pan. What? It's like it's like a it's like an egg and and you put like mozzarella yeah. cheese on it. So it's like it's an, like a it's, it's, it's like, like a, a frame che- for yeah, the rice. Yeah, it's like a cheesy egg perimeter around your fried rice. It's amazing. What? And, Oh man, dude! I know I'm like getting so excited right yeah. now. <laughs> I know what we're having for dinner tonight. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, so, Do you got kimchi um, in the fridge? <laughs> there's, there's that. Um, bibimbap also. Um, fuck, man, bibimbap might be my like, might be like tired, tied for my like electric chair dish. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Joey, what's yours? What's yours? While we're on that, what's yours? Oh, last meal of your life. Fuck. Um, dude, I'm gonna have to say this burrito from this shop in San Diego. Really, I want to say it's on San Diego State's campus, but I don't know if you guys have ever had a California burrito, but the one with like French fries inside of it. Nah. Yeah, they have one at, at oh. Flipsiggy, dude. They have the Cali burrito. Yeah, so it's just like the, dude. Oh fuck yeah. yeah! Everything from the California burrito—the fries, the meat, the pico, the avocado—take that and instead of just like a regular flour tortilla, it's a cheese quesadilla. And they wrap the burrito what? in that. Yeah, it's a spot called oh, True Heels. Oh fuck, dude! It's like a, it's like a quesadilla. Yeah. Like, I'm convinced, too, that this taco shop invented the Crunchwrap Supreme before Taco Bell did. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds like some Taco Bells. on the menu in, like, I want to say, like, I was at least told in, like, the 90s. And I don't want to any cause any trouble between Taco Bell and Trujillo's right now if anybody that knows either <laughs> of them is listening. But, yeah, like, that... That place had a line down the block at least like 40 minutes to an hour long every Friday, Saturday, Sunday because all the college, like drunk college kids. Oh, fuck, man. So that's that's it for you, your electric chair dish? I would, yeah, 100%. I could go on into the great abyss with that in my stomach forever and be good. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. fair. Mine's mine's really basic. Everybody kind of... I would definitely want to give myself the itis right before I die and make the transition easier. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, Dude, that sounds amazing, yep. man. Fuck. 
And everybody always says mine's too simple, but mine is just pizza, man. Just give me some New York pizza. I don't care if it's Joey Pepperoni, two bros. I don't care Damn. if it's, you know, I, I don't care, man. Damn. Just give me some pizza. I oh, need pizza. Man, this is so hard for me. It's a three-way tie for me. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, um, it's a tie between bibimbap. Uh, it's a tie between brisket bibimbap with, with cheese on top. Oh my god. Um, that'll fuck you up. That, that, that's another itis inducing food right there. Um, this second one for me, which I also have been making at home a lot, is mapo tofu. I love Ooh. Sichuan food, dude. Like the, oh, yeah. like the tongue numbing spiciness just has like a special place in my heart. Um, and the third, which is diff which is like, I, would, I think is like a, a, a contrast between the first two, is uni and quail leg. Ooh. Fuck yeah. Okay. The decadence. If, yeah, <laughs> if I, like, as Fuck far yeah. as, like, sashimi and, like, omakase sushi, that's, like, my favorite piece is uni and quail leg. Damn. I fuck with that. I fuck with that. Yeah, man. Yo, um, Joey, man, let's get back into some, some random general questions, man. What's your, what's your favorite, uh, cuisine to cook? Honestly, anything Asian. Like, I don't care if it's, like, Vietnamese, Indian, Burmese, Thai, like, any cuisine. If it's Asian, like, there's a high probability that I will want to cook it and somehow, like, <laughs> I, I, I want to say a good 85% of my cookbooks are, like, Asian cuisine. Dude, I don't think I've ever had Burmese food. Oh, I mean... It's and, like a... I mean, I want to say there was a really good spot back in San Francisco, and it said it was Burmese, and we all knew, like, it was owned by, you know, Burmese people, um, but it's very, I want to say it's very, like, close to almost Szechuan food. Like, they have, like, chili pepper lamb, like, cumin chili pepper lamb, which is oh, just like out those... of this world. Um, like gamey meats and like really spicy like yeah that makes sense yeah, yeah. like it's really like i don't i don't want to compare the two because i know that they are very different but like the spice combinations and like spice level i want to say like at least that spot that we went to was very similar to that of like Szechuan. yeah like tea leaf uh tea leaf salads you know Damn. Damn, I gotta go to like. Damn. Fuck, I gotta get on like Roosevelt Ave and look for a Burmese spot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you, I'm sure you can find one. <laughs> I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Um. What else we got, Paolo? Anything else? You got anything else? Oh my way. Wait, what was your question? What was your original question? Oh, favorite cuisine to cook. Ah, uh, fuck. Um. I would. Uh, as of right now, I feel like you know. If I feel like this always changes between you know, all, like all of us, right? Like, like we'll like we'll get into a certain cuisine at some point, and then we'll want to try we'll want to try to switch things up. Um, <laughs> but uh, as of right now, it's definitely Korean food. I've been exploring a lot of uh, I've been exploring a lot of Korean food just to get in touch with you know my girlfriend's uh, culture and. It, you know, her parents live in Korea, so whenever I live, whenever I meet her parents one day, it's like I wanna, I wanna be well versed 
in their culture so I don't look like a fucking idiot like pulling up to Korea and, and like uh, and like not knowing anything like being you know like being your typical ignorant American you know what I mean so like yeah that's me man um, <laughs> that's me um, I, I've been trying to really like like immerse myself in that so I've been cooking a lot of Korean food Sichuan food as well just because I love spicy food um shit what else man ah oh, fuck later today um because all my room like myself and like all my roommates are moving out of my current apartment so we're like we're we're having like a goodbye dinner so i'm making sushi again like <laughs> like i'm like, like I'll, I'll make i'll make sushi dom knows this we've we've been, we've thrown we've thrown like a couple sushi parties while he was in new york but like oh, um yeah like we'll, we'll i'll, I'll yeah. do this for like special occasions like we did this like before dom left for the philippines um no way. so like uh i like i like to make sushi at home just so i don't lose that because mm-hmm. you know like the bulk of my restaurant experience and like you know like the knife skills i gained and just you know like overall discipline just getting roasted by my head chefs um <laughs> just, <laughs> like I, I i really like i i really learned from from that so like that's something i never want to lose like and i i, I always want to have that like going well into my adulthood is mm-hmm. is you know like kind of like maintaining the skills i developed as a sushi chef and kind of expanding on that as i get older um yeah wait so you're making sushi today yeah tonight yeah <laughs> damn what fish you buy uh fuck i bought uh tuna is my personal favorite so i, I can never forego the tuna mm. um so many yeah. possibilities with tuna uh seared tuna particularly and like uh, uh um yeah i bought i bought salmon uh smoked salmon eel is a crowd favorite so i Ooh. bought some eel um fuck yeah whenever this is like that's like you know that's like the like the mainstay whenever i make sushi at home but whenever i, I want to get fancier and i really want to impress people like I'll, I'll get like the more expensive fish like hamachi um <laughs> Um, <laughs> fuck, you know what? I, I don't think I've ever bought uni. But maybe one day uh, I'll, I'll experiment with some uni at home because it's it's already like pre like pre cut and like you know like laid out when you buy it at the grocery store. So it's like it's not like I have to crack a sea urchin open and <laughs> and get the, and get the uni inside. So like like maybe one day I'll experiment with that. But yeah, that's that's what I got for today. Word. Or Joe, Joey, man, you're half Japanese. Have you ever done any, like, any sushi experience whatsoever? No, like, that is... I've also, like, really thought about that. It's kind of, like, crazy that I never did. And it's not that it never, like, attracted me at all. Like, it's... Really, yeah. To me, it's really interesting. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know why I never really, you know... I've done it at home. Like, we'll make, like sushi and sashimi and stuff at home but like never done it professionally and never gotten paid to do it i should yeah. say <laughs> um, dude, word, dude when, whenever whenever this whenever it's okay for us to meet up again i would i would love to like throw down one day hell yeah so am i man that would <laughs> be really yeah. fun <laughs> <laughs> whenever Dom is back in new york too like the three of us can meet up and just throw down one day hell yeah for sure and yeah, we'll bring adrian too yeah he loves, he loves in the cooking I, I learned a lot of recipes from adrian too man oh tight yeah. yeah adrian's our boy he's uh he's a nurse up in harlem and he's just as you can imagine very Jeez, busy right now man, yeah <laughs> that's crazy yeah but um 
Yeah. But Joey, man. So what uh, this I should have asked you this at the beginning, but what brought you to cooking in the first place? I, I don't know. Like, honestly, at the time, it was between like fashion school and cooking school. Because that's, like, where I was at that point in my life. Like, I knew that those were the two industries that I wanted to, like, get involved with. And those were the, you know, the career that I wanted to take. Um, mm -hmm. I just feel like, one, I took the tour of California Culinary, of the culinary school before I took a tour of FITM. Um, and just seeing it, like, right off the bat, something about, like, cooking and like going through the school like felt right um yeah i mean i don't yeah it was just wanting to do something creative and seeing how i could do that in the culinary school um how it would kind of like set me up for success like it kind of really just attracted me to that and then yeah i mean like just not knowing a whole lot about my own cultures I guess really attracted me to food because it was another thing that like that's huge you know yeah. like yeah, you can learn a lot about different cultures through the food like I learned a lot about you know French cuisine through the first restaurant and like French food in general I learned a lot about you know the food of the Mediterranean at that one restaurant like you just kind of try yeah. to learn and like be a sponge essentially and that's what I liked is, like it's a lot of I'm a very visual and tactile learner and essentially mm -hmm. that's all cooking is, is like watching and like doing yourself. Yeah. Damn, man. Yeah, I, man. I, I, oh, man. This is taking me down memory lane. Memory. <laughs> 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 yeah, dude. I mean, there, I, I always tell my friends this, but like I haven't, I haven't worked in a restaurant environment for about three years now. Um, but I, I do there there is there are you know parts of it that i really miss like like what you said um about like just because i'm a very tactile and visual learner as well so just you know like working with with like cutlery and um all the different tools that you use when you're in the kitchen is just like something that i miss every day that and like you know there's there's also that sense of camaraderie that you have with your coworkers in a yeah. restaurant that you really can't find in another work environment like yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, that's very <clears throat> totally true. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, fuck, I had a question and I just lost it. Damn. I have a question, uh, actually. Go ahead, um, go ahead. What's your preference in in knives? <laughs> like, do you have, like, a preferred <laughs> brand? Um, man, I do, and they're very expensive, and you're probably going to give me a hard time. Uh, Ninohi? Um, oh, I've never heard of that one. I'm going to look it up right they now. They have a company, like, Ninohi is the overall, like, brand, and then uh, they have another brand called Ninox. Um, they're really expensive Ooh, knives, dude. but, like, I've had them for, they're, they're the thing where it's, like, in cooking, if it's something I'm doing and it's my career, like, I don't mind really spending the money because this is something I'm going to have for the rest of my life. Like, it's a tool of my trade kind yeah, of thing, and... Yeah, dude, yeah. it's an investment. Exactly. Um, it's just like a camera. Like, yeah. you know, like... Yeah, exactly. We need to buy expensive cameras. Yeah, like <laughs> there's times I'll walk away from the knife shop and be like, dude, why did I, like, 
why did I buy that? And then like three weeks later, I'm like, this is the best purchase I ever made. Why was I tripping? Like, I totally feel that because you can feel the difference of a cheap knife and an expensive knife. Yeah. Yeah, man. It makes yeah, all the difference. Definitely. Definitely. Yo, uh, Joey, man, you remember that, that Filipino dude who worked with us at Mapesh in the kitchen? What was his name? I'm actually gonna, My girl knows I'm, him. Yeah, I follow him on... Uh, Jose. Jom. Jose. Jom? Jose, yeah. yeah. He goes by Jose in America, yes. You know he's back in... Uh, <laughs> he's back in the Bro, Philippines, Bro, I ran right? into what? him. I ran into him here last year. No I, way. I, uh, I meant... To, I told you when I, when I messaged you a couple weeks ago <laughs> that I couldn't remember your Instagram, right? I couldn't, I couldn't find you. I took a picture with him, like, last year, I think. No I ran way. into him at a club. What? For our friend's birthday. Yeah, yeah, because me, me and my girl are good friends with this DJ who's good friends with him. Because he's also a DJ, apparently. <laughs> uh, I didn't really know that. But then I happened to be at the club at the table next to the DJ booth, and he was right there. No and then he started DJing, and I was way. like, wait a minute. Yo, I know this guy. Holy <laughs> hell. Yeah, bro. That was like literally the last thing you said to me when I was leaving that restaurant, when I was quitting, was like, yo, well, look out for this guy. He's a DJ in the Philippines. Yeah. <laughs> I was oh like, my God, uh, dude, that's yeah, so true. Yeah, sure. I'm sure he is a DJ in the Philippines. And then sure enough, a year <laughs> later, I run into him in a fucking club. <laughs> dude, it's such a small world. That's, I love hearing stuff like small that. Small ass world, man. Yeah, dude. Small ass world. Yo, man, this has been fun. Yeah. This has been fun. I love talking about food. Yo, general questions and shit like that. Um, what have you been watching lately, man? Ooh, um, really gotten into... I'm really all over the place on Netflix right now. Uh, Same. This, this series called Love on the Spectrum. Like, I swear to what God, is... if you want just good, like, heartfelt, good TV, like, watch this show. It's, it's about kids in like young adults on the like autism spectrum um mm. you know dating and finding love and going through that experience for like the first time and it's just like wholesome tv like you watch it and you finishes you're like man that was fucking great like you're in a good mood um it's just <laughs> really good and then i've really gotten into broad church another show on netflix i want to say it was on bbc first it's like a british crime show um, oh, and then I love British crime shows. I'm checking that out. Any Finnish crime drama that's out there, they're all pretty, like, really crazy to watch. Like, this one in particular, uh, Border Town, is really crazy. I haven't heard of that either. Damn. Dude, my, my, like, watch list on Netflix is probably one of the most obscure. Like, the algorithm for Netflix is probably like, what the fuck do we send this guy? Like, <laughs> what <laughs> you, you said finish, and I didn't realize what you meant when Finland. you said finish, yeah. but you really mean finish. Yeah. Like, finish. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it's, wow. it's insane. Okay. It's cool. all, yeah. They're Dude, they're foreign, they got some, their foreign shows are, like, heat more often than not. Dude, like, like yeah. Some of them are like you just get entranced into them, and next thing you know, you've watched like an entire series in German, and you're like, "What the fuck was that? What did I just watch?" <laughs> That's dope, yo. Me and my girl have been watching a lot of cooking shows. Really? I think yeah. The 
the, we really enjoyed this one show. Um, the big family cooking showdown or something like that. Yeah. Oh. It sounds it's it sounds pretty corny, but really it's like it's like families who are actually very good home chefs and they're cooking like top notch stuff and it's a competition. No way. It'll be like like twelve to sixteen families in groups of three and they're just facing off, man. It's pretty oh dope. Oh my god. Pretty dope. That's it's awesome. on Netflix too. It's a it's a British show, I think. I have to watch that. Um yeah, dude, check it out. We binged that in like two or three days. It's it's dope. There's two seasons. Second season's not as good as the first, but we still watched it. But the first season's really, really Damn. good. Damn. You need to watch more cooking shows. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I love cooking shows. I love cooking shows. Hello, what you been watching, man? Um, going back to how I mentioned earlier about how I've been trying to immerse myself in Korean culture. Um, I've also been trying to learn Korean, so I've been watching a lot of K-dramas. Um, just to see if I could like, cause my girl bought me like two Korean learning books and I'm like, like a little bit into the second one. Um, so like, but at this point I'm like pretty comfortable reading and writing. So like when I watch shows, I'll like go into it, seeing if I can pick up like certain words that I've learned. And like, sometimes I'm like, Oh shit. Like, like, you know, like it's like that moment and you're just like, Oh shit. I I, I didn't need the subtitles for that. Like, you earned it. You earned it. Yeah, yeah. So like, I've been watching a lot of those. Um, Voice, this one called Voice, was um, a really good one that I enjoyed. I, I um, it's, it's. Uh, I really enjoy the, the crime like cat and mouse like cop serial killer shows. So mm. it's like, it's it's like one of those. Um, this other one, ah, shit. What is the name of it? I forget the name of it, but this other one that I watched... Oh, Strangers from Hell. Um, Whoa. It's, uh, it's about this kid who moves into, like, this really... Um, it's essentially, like, the, the Korean equ- uh, equ- equivalent of the projects. It's, like, this really run-down, like, dinky apartment building, and all of his, like... All of, all of the, the people on his floor are, like, just psychos. Um, oh, fun. Yeah, so that <laughs> one's cool. Um, Sounds like a good time. That's about it, basically. Um, as far as what I've been watching recently, yeah. Word. Yo, uh, Joey, man, one last question. Do you have a cookbook you could recommend to the listeners? A favorite oh, cookbook? Oh, I do. Um, I don't know anything about cookbooks. I find all my recipes online, so I'm just curious. I mean, one of my favorites... Man, you're really putting me on the spot right now. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say this one is... Damn, I need to cop some cookbooks, dude. Yeah, yeah, I was I've thinking the same like, thing. I've just been pulling recipes from like the internet. Yeah, me too. That's not how I've always done it. I don't think I own any cookbooks. I know Adrian has some cookbooks. So this he's, one, the, he's the kind of guy to have some cookbooks. Phoenix, what you got? Phoenix, oh, you can't see it. Phoenix Claws and Jade Trees. This guy. Interesting. What kind of, yeah. Chinese, oh, it's a Chinese cookbook. Yeah. It's all about yeah. like Chinese home cooking. I guess this guy, super trippy. He's like learning about all the different regions of China through like cooking. Uh-huh. Yeah, dude. I mean, I mean, it's like, it's a huge country. 
it's with a bunch of regional it. cuisines. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. And then this one, just one of those ones I was talking about earlier, Joe Beef. The art. Oh, Joe word. Beef. It's, I mean, the title of it is great. It's called The Art of Living. Like... But it's a cookbook. And it's does a cookbook. Does it say an art of living according to Joe Beef? Yeah, like cocktails, like their own versions of cocktails, like pâtés, like all that stuff. It's just really oh, fun. Oh, that to, sounds yeah, dope. Yeah, it's a, they're both those are like two of my like go-tos. Word, Word dude. All right, Yo, cool. there's a, I'm before we get off, there's this one um, thing that I forgot to mention earlier. Um, it's not a cookbook, but it's a YouTube channel. Um, it's uh, where I get most of my Korean recipes from. Uh, it's this YouTube channel from uh, this Korean chef, uh, Baek Jong-won. And he's really fun to watch because he's one of those chefs that will like lay out all the ingredients for you before getting into like making the food. Oh, but, nice. Like, as he's making it, he's like, it, like he's like oh like if you don't have this don't worry about it you don't need it you like I'm just gonna use it he's 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 like he's like a, he's he's one of those chefs that make cooking feel really easy to people who don't cook much yeah yeah that's good yeah. that's always good that's always good yo Joey man you should start a YouTube channel bro word dude, dude. one of the many ideas I've had that's just like floating around in my brain right now. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> no doubt, man, for sure. Yo, uh, this has been fun, yo. I love talking about food. Yeah, this, this is really fun. fun. Uh, I'm starving now. I know, seriously. Yeah, dude, I'm, <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited to eat some food. Joey, man, thanks for doing this. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you guys so much for this opportunity. It was nice to meet you, Paulo, and good to see you, Dominic. Word, likewise. Good to see you, bro. Yo, uh, tell the people where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. It is at crispyyamaguchi. <laughs> um, I'm about to follow you. I'm about to follow you right now. Like, Yo. <laughs> Crispy Yamaguchi. Crispy Yamaguchi. <laughs> um, yeah, and I frequently change my Instagram name whenever I come. Like I have a running list of like punny names that I come up with, and sometimes that's why make I can never appearance. find you, man. <laughs> That's, That's why he can never find you. Yeah. <laughs> Crispy Yamaguchi. I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. And Paolo, as always, just find tell me people where they can find Paolo you. Del Castillo. I'm not going to spell it out because it's too long. It's just my name. <laughs> and, and at paolodelcastillo.com. Yes. yes. Website Don't forget to plug progress, the website. Yes. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Yo, uh, thank you guys again for doing this. This has been fun. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Peace.